Heavenly Father, as we partake of the word today, Lord, as we um, come with open ears and open hearts and open minds, Lord, we pray that you would minister to each person here today. Lord, we pray that as I speak today that the words will be your words, Lord, and we just ask that it be words of healing, of encouragement, of hope, of um, encouragement in a time of need. In Christ's name we pray. Matthew 11, verses 2 through 11. When John, this is John the Baptist. When John heard in prison the, what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come? Or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense of me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see, to look at? A reed shaken in the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal places. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one whom it is written. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare you, prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Now, I don't know about you, but I love the Christmas time. I think it's magical. I mean, when do you ever get to see people? I mean, when, when do people ever decorate their houses on the outside and put lights up and string things all over the place and makes it just so aesthetic for people to see? It's a magical time. Um, and it's a time of Advent. It's announcing the coming of Christmas. And we prepare for Christmas. It's one holiday we totally prepare for. Because Christmas is coming. Just like the birth of Jesus Christ was coming. You know, part of, I don't know about your family tradition, but and it's kind of like our family tradition where we put up the tree and family comes together. And even we did this yesterday where we, our family came together and our tree looked very bare and sparse. It looked like, you know, Charlie Brown's Christmas tree, really ugly. So we finally got the lights out and we strung the lights all over the tree and another person in our family hung the decorations. And then we had a problem because our, our star at the top of the tree, we lost one of the pieces so we couldn't put the star up. It was just like leaning against the top of the tree. So we didn't know what to do. So we got tape and we taped it and it just fell over and it was pitiful. And then we tried something else and it didn't work. So my brother-in-law, Alan, had this great idea. He said, let's just hang it from the roof. We'll tie a string to the, we'll put a pin in the roof, tie a string to it and just let it dangle over the tree. It's like, brilliant. What a great idea. I never thought of it because it's pretty cool. If it's dangling, it could also spin, you know. Wow, it's like awesome. It's like a real star. <laughs> but 
We do these type of traditions to prepare our hearts for the coming of Christmas. And that's what the Advent season is all about. So when we look at this gospel, when we, we, when we look at this story, we kind of have an idea of what's happening. We, we have these preconceived notions of what a Messiah is. We have this idea formed in our head of who Jesus is. He's the Messiah that brings salvation to us. He frees us from our sins and teaches us how to live. He's the king who arose from the, from the dead after being crucified. And he conquered hell, death, and the grave. That's what we imagine this Messiah to be like. However, for the people of Israel, they had no idea what the Messiah would look like. They thought, they had this preconceived notion that when the Messiah come, it, he would be totally different from how we come to understand it. Because we know the story. We're looking at it. After the fact that Jesus came, we know the entire story. But the people of Israel at the time thought the Messiah would be a little bit different. So Messiah, which is the Jewish word for the word Christ, and Christ is the Greek word for Messiah, so it's interchangeable. The Messiah was expected to be like Neil from the Matrix. You know Neil. A person who would deliver the people of Israel from oppression and the unrighteous. He was to be a person who would bring justice to the injustices of this world. The Messiah would set them free, set the people of Israel free from the rule of the Roman Empire. Because they were governed by the Roman Empire and they were expecting to be free, to be the people that God destined them to be. Not to be under the Roman Empire and the Messiah would free them from that. That's their expectation. So the Messiah was expected to bring the kingdom and free them from the tyranny of Rome and triumph and restore Israel into its proper place. That's the idea of Messiah. So John was expecting Jesus to be like Neil. A person who would sweep through Israel and lead this revolution. So John the Baptist, who baptized Jesus at the start of his ministry, was now imprisoned by Herod. And he was imprisoned by Herod because he spoke out against what Herod was doing. John was looking forward to the day where Jesus would storm through the throne room, boom, and take him down, and in the process, set John free. And they would be this dynamic duel, like Batman and Robin, Han Solo and Chewie, Moana and Maui, Neo and Morpheus. But John is a little miffed. He's confused about the whole thing. In his, hear, uh, in his cell, John is hearing about the things that Jesus is doing. This is my impression of a local John the Baptist because he wore, you know, tattered clothes and if he was here today, he probably had slippers. He he was probably thinking, bro, I came over here. I I was preaching, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. I was baptizing people, right? So, Jesus, why are you making friends with tax collectors? Why are you making friends with sinners, Abra? Hey, cuz, 
because they were cousins. They were actually cousins. Okay. Hey, cuz, what's up? Why are you making friends with these kind of guys, eh? Bro, what's this I hear you doing? You healing the brothers. You helping out the sisters. What, you making them feel good about themselves? That I can dig that. I can dig that. It's all good that you making them feel good about themselves. But you need, but that's all good and all. But you got to be worrying about the main thing. You got to worry about your main call, bro. That's being the Messiah to the people and establish your reign. Bro, where's your army? You got to recruit some people for your army. And you got to get me out of prison. <laughs> so this is the conversation I imagine John is thinking as he is in his jail cell. And he's hearing what Jesus is doing. So he sends out his disciples out to ask Jesus, are you really the Messiah? Are you the one? I mean, he's the one that said, this is the one. And now he's questioning, are you the one? Are you the one we're looking for? Or do we look for another? Jesus, stick to the plan. That's not the plan. See, this is not the plan that John had in mind. But this sure is the plan that Jesus had in mind. Jesus knows that he's the Messiah. And he believes that this is the way to go. This is the plan. This is the way that Jesus decides to bring God's kingdom. And even though this is not what other people imagined it to be. Sometimes we can be like John. Okay? And we can get the wrong idea of what the kingdom should look like. We refuse to go along with, what Jesus, with Jesus and what Jesus' kingdom should be like. Many times we have our own ideas of what justice should look like and what the world should look like. And we ask the question, just like how John asked the question, are you the one? Are you the one? Where are you in my circumstance? Where are you in my situation? Where are you, Jesus? Are you the one? Now, some people wouldn't mind if Jesus was like Elijah, the prophet, the prophet who prayed, prayed fire down from heaven. They would enjoy it if Jesus brought down fire from heaven as a means of God's judgment. I find that quite troubling when some Christians are so adamant about God's judgment rather than exhibit God's mercy. N.T. Wright states this, just as wicked people don't like the message of judgment because they think, and rightly they do, that it's aimed at them. So sometimes, good people don't like the message of mercy because they think, and they think this wrongly, that people are going to get away with wickedness. You know, when um, me and Michelle was dating, and this was probably in our college years, uh, I remember one night, I lived in Pro City, Michelle lived in New Wanu and Pa'oa area, so we had to drive back and forth. It was about a 
20 mile drive to get to one, about 15, 15 mile drive to get to one another's house. So um, some weekends I would go over to her house and some weekends she would come over to my house and we would just hang out. Um, so I remember one night I was at her house and um, this advice is for college students and high school students. If you're at your boyfriend or girlfriend's house, leave early, okay? Leave early, it's respectful, okay? So one night I was at their house and I left early. No, I didn't. It was late. So I left the house, and as I was driving home to Pro City, I was out of gas, or I was running low on gas. So I decided I'm going to fill up gas in New Uwanu's, at New Uwanu 7-Eleven. So at the time, New Uwanu 7-Eleven is on one corner, and on the other side, there's New Uwanu Shopping Center. And there was this restaurant called Hungry Lion. Okay, um, and there's a huge banyan tree growing in the middle of the whole restaurant. So I, I stopped to fill up gas. I was at the pump. I'm pumping gas. And all of a sudden, this stranger with, you know, tattered clothes and messy hair comes up to me. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> He's going to ask me for money, isn't he? So he comes up and he says, brah, I'm so hungry. Can I have money or what? I like to go eat at Hungry Lion. I'm like, all right, all right. So at the time, so he asked me this question. I'm like, okay, so what do you need? He goes, oh, can I have like $20? Because I like go over there. I like eat steak dinner. Like, what? Steak dinner? I can't even eat steak dinner at Hungry Lion. You want to eat steak dinner? I'm working A plus right now. I'm only making $150 every two weeks. I can't afford to give you. That's like almost... 15% of my paycheck. That, that's crazy. And I have to give tithe. <laughs> I can't afford $20. He's like, oh, bro, I'm so hungry. Oh, I was thinking that in my head. I didn't say that to him, right? That would be rude. Okay, so I was thinking that. And then, I, um, so I was like, oh, I can't afford $20. So I looked to my wallet and I had $10. And he looks at, oh, $10. I was like, I can't buy you steak dinner. So... I give him the $10, right? And he goes, oh, I guess I got to go eat Zippy's then. I says, all right, go eat Zippy's. So I give him the $10, and he walks off. So I'm over there pumping, finishing pumping the gas in my car. So I, I finish, close the cap, and I close the panel to, that, to the gas cap. I think, man, what if this guy doesn't spend my $10 on Zippy's? So I have this brilliant idea. I get back into my car, and I follow him. <laughs> so I'm driving down the road. I'm going slow, and he's, he, he feels that there's a stalker behind him, right? So he walks down the street, and he crosses the road, and it's not towards Zippy. Zippy says this way. He's going this way. So I yell at my window, hey, you said you was going Zippy's. And he yells back, I can't buy nothing with $10. So, by me following him, I started judging him, right? Instead of being merciful and, and, you know, maybe he had a need that needed to be met. But I was so adamant that he needs to spend it on this, this, and this. Instead of saying, okay, God, here's my $10. I'll give it to this person. And whatever he does with it, I give it over to you. May it just be a sign of mercy. 
As N.T. Wright states, just as wicked people don't like the message of judgment because they, they think rightly that it's aimed at them, so sometimes good people don't like the message of mercy because they think wrongly that people are going to get away with wickedness. Nothing escapes the eyes of God. You see, mercy is at the heart of Jesus' messianic message and mission. And if mercy is at the heart of Jesus' mission, it must remain at the heart of the church today. Whether or not people want to follow, that's the plan. Are you the one, Jesus? Are you the one? Jesus ends up by saying at the end of that scripture, happy or blessed are those who can accept this plan. Now, Advent season is coming. And, we, and so we wait with anticipation of the celebration of Christmas. The birth of Christ is coming. And as we wait, God gives us the freedom to ask, are you the one? If you're the one, am I willing to be part of this unusual and upside down kingdom? This kingdom where the weary, the broken, the forgotten, the hurting, those that others seem as worthless, the losers. They are seen great in the kingdom. They're even, they're even seen as great as even the greatest prophet because they, the kingdom of God has finally come to them. The kingdom is greater than any one individual. No matter how great you are, whether you're Bill Hybels or Francis Chan or Wayne Cadero or even Thomas Chong, the kingdom of God is beyond any one individual. So there is good news for the poor. In this Christmas season, we remember, remember that Jesus is Emmanuel. God with us. He's Yeshua or Jesus. God is salvation. God has not abandoned us. God cares for us. God has entered into the world and is present with us. So may you in this Advent season experience the mercy and grace of God this season.